Hey, we're all looking to save, especially on medical bills, but where do you start? Now, unless you're a medical billing expert, finding savings, well, it can seem impossible. HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance and they flag errors like overbilling or wrong codes and fraud. And you can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. Now, saving starts with knowing where to look. Go to their website. It's HealthLock.com today before you see any other healthcare provider. Pure Talk, my sponsor and my wireless company, of now providing international roaming to over 50 countries. Now, as you plan your summer travel, make sure that your wireless company covers you at home and abroad. Now, you can get unlimited talk and text, plenty of 5G data for just 20 bucks a month. That's less than half the price of Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile for the exact same service. Just go to puretalk.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N, make the switch today. Save an additional 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N. Hey, Sean Hannity here. If you're in a situation where you feel threatened, well, instinct, that might drive you to reach for a lethal means immediately. but We all want to avoid the irreversible consequences of using deadly force. Now, enter the Burner Less Lethal Pistol Launcher. It is equipped with tear gas and kinetic ammo. It can incapacitate any attacker for up to 40 minutes. It's legal in all 50 states. It requires no background checks, and it can be shipped right to your door. Go to their website, byrna.com slash Hannity right now, and you'll get 10% off. Let not your heart be troubled. You are listening to the Sean Hannity Radio Show Podcast. All right, glad you're with us. Massive, huge, typical breaking news day. It's all over the place. 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. Uh, We're now figure out exactly how many days, Ethan, that we are from the midterm elections, which are the most important elections in our lifetime. By the way, Maxine Waters has been sent by God to get Donald Trump. That's what she said. And okay, whatever that means, I'm going to go over the full breakdown of what is going to really matter, what the Democrats agenda really is, what's at stake in this midterm election, why you need to be involved, and why even if it's, even if you have a a weak Republican, I'm just making the case, I'm being very blunt here, 102 days till the midterm elections 102 days next week we begin our 90 plus day countdown there's a lot at stake here there is a lot at stake and yeah maxine's on a mission from god to stop donald trump i never knew that god sent her on a mission impeach 45 reclaiming her time and uh don't think for a minute that even though she's not saying it at this moment that anything has changed I mean, they were talking about impeaching Donald Trump before he even before he even got elected. Impeach 45. Impeach 45. Impeach 45. Yeah, okay. I guess that's where we're we're headed on the Democratic side of of things. You know, nobody in the media really wants to talk about who the big loser in this European trade deal is. Do you know who it is? It's Russia. I'm going to explain that. And I'm also going to explain the president didn't flip and flop on the issue of tariffs. Now, not even one little bit. We've got Jordan and Meadows now and House Republicans, uh, even though their speaker is against the impeachment of Rod Rosenstein. Why would he be against it? Do you realize if you violate a congressional subpoena, you only really have two options. 
You're either, and maybe they should do it in this specific order. Because you can hold the person in contempt, but probably nothing is going to happen because it's Washington, D.C., which is why so many people just don't care if they get a subpoena from Congress to produce documents or appear, because then Congress doesn't do anything. So then Congress, which has constitutional oversight, we do have a system of checks and balances. We're supposed to have co-equal branches of government. You know, and then they just decide they're not going to turn over important information. They just decide they're not going to do it. And why Paul Ryan wouldn't back up his committees, the Goodlatte Committee, and back up guys like Trey Gowdy and Devin Nunes and John Ratcliffe and these people and Jim Jordan all trying to get to the truth. You know, I, I don't see Paul Ryan. He's even refused to give tacit support to the House uh, by House conservatives to say, Rod Rosenstein, do your job. Let us do our job. Stop stonewalling and stop obstructing. It means basically Paul Ryan basically endorsing what is a Justice Department cover up of the biggest scandal in American history. It is appropriate that we conduct oversight of the executive branch and that we get full compliance with the executive branch on what are very legitimate document requests. Uh, Do I support impeachment of Rod Rosenstein? No, I do not. I do not for a number of reasons. First, um, it takes it, it, it. I don't I don't think we should be cavalier with this process or with this term. Number one. Number two, I don't think that this rises to the level of high crimes and misdemeanors. So that's really high standard. Number three, um, we since I got involved have been have been getting a lot of compliance from DOJ on the document request. We do not have full compliance and we have to get full compliance. But we've been making tremendous progress to that. How do you point. get full compliance if, if if some of these documents are so crucial? The ones they're holding back are the ones that matter. You know, and Jeff Sessions backs Rod Rosenstein amidst the cover up of the, you know, anti Trump coup here in an attempt to, you know, literally rob a presidential election. You know, uh, so I don't know what we're going to do here, but House Freedom Caucus Chairman Mark Meadows is threatened to go around Ryan as it relates to Rod Rosenstein. If Ryan's not going to allow a floor vote on the resolution and he announced uh, last night that he's filed this resolution with Jim Jordan and others. And it was filed as a non-privileged motion. That means that Ryan would have to approve it for a vote on the House floor. So Meadows said that they could instead file it as a privileged motion requiring a vote on the House floor within two days. We hope it doesn't come to that, Meadows said. But starting tomorrow, we can bring it up as a privileged motion. That's something that any member of Congress, Jim or I, can do. And quite frankly, it's either we hold them in contempt or we get the documents or we have to impeach him. And, you know, Jeff Sessions, I've been saying all week, where are you? Where is Jeff Sessions in all of this? Announced his plan. Sessions defended Rosenstein. Took a My deputy, Rod Rosenstein, is highly capable. I have the uh, highest confidence in him. You probably know not only did he go to the Wharton School of Business, but I uh, graduated from Harvard right here uh, in this area. So uh, what I would like Congress to do is to focus on some of the legal challenges that are out there. We need Congress to deal with the immigration question. All right, so, yeah, we want to deal with that. But my question is, why isn't he insisting? He was a former senator. He understands checks and balances, co-equal branches. Why isn't he demanding that they just turn over the documents? You know, I mean, we, we really have to fight this hard for everything. Now, Devin Nunes 
has uh, the House intel is now probing whether informants gathered data on Trump and Russia prior to when the so-called authorized probe even began, which I think is going to be a very key question that comes out at some point in all of this. Anyway, GOP lawmakers also now are aware of new documents related to Hillary's, Hillary's phony dossier as a result of Lisa Page being honest behind closed doors while Peter Strzok is now going to get called back. I mean, she was spilling the beans. She's not going down the road of lying before Congress. It appears the way that Peter Strzok did. So that's going to get really interesting. And we'll see what happens there. But Bob Goodlatte and Mark Meadows and Jordan and and Trey Gowdy all meeting with senior DOJ officials, you know, discussing ways to uh, deal with the ongoing Spygate documents. Catherine Herridge at Fox telling us that the GOP lawmakers have discovered new documents related to the phony dossier after Lisa Page's closed door deposition. Apparently, Lisa Page said, yeah, all those text messages are exactly as they read. The exact opposite of what our former FBI lover, Peter Strzok, said. And the White House, by the way, is continuing their push to pull the security clearances of former communists and people like him, uh, John Brennan, who we know is responsible for spreading the phony Russian dossier that Hillary bought and paid for. And I can't believe all of this is happening in this country, but the media is obsessed with a tape of Michael Cohn that said nothing, that never happened happened none of what they discussed ever happened and the news was so old remember the big cnn remember when we were calling them the porn network first they got let's say stormy 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 thinking that's the biggest interview of all time and then they've got karen mcdougall on it was like night after night all right here we go because the media what they do is they fixate and obsess literally every single day and on one particular issue, and it's like they're one voice in unison in their bubble. And they just hyperventilate. Hysteria abounds, thinking this is the end of Donald Trump. And guess what? It's not the end of Donald Trump again. How many times can you think you've got somebody? We played a clip of Rush yesterday on uh, Hannity on the TV show. It's such a, a good point. They're inoculating Trump every time. By doing this, because he just keeps building up antibodies, it's like the boy who cried wolf. Nobody's going to believe you anymore. There's one other thing these clowns at CNN and the drive-bys don't get, and that is that every phony blockbuster story about Trump, every one of these things that doesn't go anywhere, every one of these things that doesn't get rid of Donald Trump inoculates him from the next one. And every inoculation then lessens the credibility of the media. And all of this, I think, ends up helping Trump. They haven't figured this out. They still think they can get rid of Republican presidents, and they're not going to give up. No, they'll never give up, which brings us to the election. Oh, and there's a two-hour tape of Michael Cohen with Chris Cuomo that that was released. And all it does is say, oh, I paid Stormy on my own, and I didn't tell President Trump. Whoopsie-daisy. I guess that kind of is exculpatory. And unless Andrew Weissman wants to hide it from... I guess jurors, which he's done in the past, which is the point of the whole thing. Uh, More Americans now, as we head into this election in 102 days than ever, find the Democratic Party out of the mainstream. You want to know how insane it's gotten? On top of wanting to get rid of ICE, you got this guy, Congressman Joe Crowley. He was the one that was defeated by the socialist candidate Cortez. 
Ascario Ocasio-Cortez, the 28-year-old former bartender from New York. Anyway, Crowley is now saying illegal families, illegal families in America that they actually need to be compensated. Not only do they enter the country illegally, and it costs our country billions and billions in terms of health care costs, uh, cost to the educational system, uh, cost with the criminal justice system. But now we've got to compensate people that didn't respect our laws and sovereignty. Let's write them a check. I guess that goes, you know, that fits with the Democratic model. At the end of the day, in 102 days, this is what this election is about. The Democrats, they're not saying it anymore. Maxine stopped saying it, but they believe it. They will try to do it, but if they get control, they want to impeach this president. I mean, they even talked about impeaching him for like the, I I honestly think that if the president cured cancer, they'd want to impeach him for that. If he gave every American $30 million, they'd say, why isn't it 31? So they want to impeach the president. Think of this. We have the best economic numbers we've ever had, more foreign policy success than we have seen in Eight long years. We're no longer dropping cargo planes of cash and other currencies on the tarmacs for Iranian mullahs that chant death to Israel, death to America. We stopped that. The apology tours have ended. Even little rocket man. Everyone's saying a nuclear war is going to ensue. And fire and fury. And my button's bigger than your button. And uh, my button works. Well, we haven't had a a missile fired over Japan since December. We got three hostages released. We got one of the missile test sites dismantled. We're supposed to receive this week remains of Americans going back to that war with Korea. And also there's talk, at least, of denuclearization of the entire Korean peninsula. So they want to impeach the president. They want open borders, eliminate ICE. They want to keep Obamacare. How did that work out for you? Keep your doctor, keep your plan, pay less. Then they want their crumbs back. This past weekend, Elizabeth Warren joining Nancy Pelosi. They want their crumbs back. I mean, it's a thousand, two thousand bucks per family. That's a lot of money, but they want it back. And then, of course, they want to stop the investigations into the deep state stealing or attempting to steal an election by rigging an investigation into Hillary Clinton and then turning their sights on Donald Trump and then lying to FISA court judges four separate times. Imagine if you lied to a judge. You omitted the detail that Hillary paid for the dossier, that you don't verify the dossier. You just hand it in as if it's gospel truth. You get a warrant to spy on an American who happens to be an associate of the Trump campaign, which backdoors you email-wise and social media-wise right into the entire campaign. All right, we got a lot to get to today. More on this on the other side. And I'll I'll tell you what's more at stake when we get back. The damage that has been done to these children will be lifelong. Uh, To these family units will be lifelong as well. And in fact, uh, I I suggest that they need to be compensated for uh, what this administration uh, did to them. But the first form of compensation needs to be the full reunification. Uh, Excuse me, Mr. Crowley, but Obama did it also. Now you're saying that people come here illegally. Now we got to compensate them, too. I mean, America's 
footing the bill for billions of dollars in costs because we don't protect our borders. And by the way, I like the idea of a wall with a big door in it. I don't mind. I I want people to come to this country and be able to participate in this great, well, once great, now I'm not so sure at times, constitutional republic. We better get it straightened out or else, you know, we're not going to be the great constitutional republic. You know, as Levin's been saying, this is a post-constitutional America. We see this with the FISA abuse. We see this with rigged investigations. We see this with the dual justice system. Look, it all goes back to this. Imagine any of you have subpoenaed emails and you delete them and you acid wash your hard drive with a program called Bleach Bit. And then you bust up your devices to little bitsy, itsy, bitsy pieces. And then you pull the SIM cards. And this is after you put, you know, top secret classified information, which is illegal, and then destroy such information on a a mom and pop bathroom closet server that gets hacked by at least six foreign entities. I mean, you'd be in trouble. If any of you went to a court and lied to a court, uh, you'd have serious serious issues unbelievable all right we got a lot to get to i want to explain what 102 days is going to look like from now how how profound it is in terms of importance that you go out and you fight and you win the midterms because if they get power it's not going to be good 25 now till the uh, top of the hour. Glad you're with us. 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. All right, let me tell you. So 102 days out of the election. And I'll really quickly go over the Democratic agenda. If you listen closely, there's not one agenda item that they are supporting that is going to make your life or the life of any forgotten man or woman, which was what 2016 was about, better ever in any way. They had eight years under Obama to implement their entire agenda. Their agenda now is to impeach Trump. Their agenda now is eliminate ICE open borders. Their agenda now is keep Obamacare. Yeah, keep your doctor, keep your plan, pay less. Sure, good luck. Their agenda now, they want the crumbs back. And the last thing is they want to stop these investigations. Because they love the deep state, the deep state that kept their candidate in the race when she should have been indicted and then turned their sights on Trump and then turned the deep state on Trump. Why would they want to expose that? They may need that in the future in some way. Um, as it relates to, I hope the American people and I hope I hope most of you understand. I know there's many of you that listen to this program, and it's going to mean this for you. If you're happy with where the president has taken the country and you're happy with the progress of the country, all of that progress is in jeopardy if we lose the House, because they're going to this is what they're going to stop all progress. Every bit of progress we have, they want to stop it. Now, that means going back to what was the Obama economic legacy? We know his foreign policy legacy was one of appeasement, one of apologies, one of trying to bribe mullahs in Iran, uh, one that was not certainly one of peace through strength. He never challenged NATO to, to pay their fair share, and the president already has gotten a ton of money out of NATO. He didn't challenge the European Union on giving us 
fair and reciprocal trade. Well, that happened yesterday. That's a big deal. And after eight years of Obama, I said it all during 2016, but I'll remind you. You had eight million more Americans in poverty, 12 million more Americans on food stamps. We had the lowest labor participation rate since the 70s, worst recovery since the 40s, lowest home ownership rate in 51 years, the first president never to make 3% GDP in a single year in our history, and he accumulated more debt than all 43 presidents before him combined. That's the legacy of Obama and the Democrats. So now they're not even saying they have an agenda except for the items that I said. The party's being drawn very, very hard left. And in, what, since January 20th of 2018, what's today's date? Today is July 26th. What has happened? Two million fewer Americans are on food stamps. We now have the largest labor participation rate than we've ever had in our country's history. We now have more jobs available than we have people on unemployment. 14 states have record low unemployment numbers. Women in the workforce, record low unemployment. Record low unemployment for African Americans, for Hispanic Americans. We now have literally the jobs that Obama told us were never coming back in manufacturing, in particular 700,000 of them. Four million new jobs have been created. The success speaks for itself. You see, the president didn't want a trade war. The president ended up with a better trade deal and then negotiating the final points of it. It's going to help farmers. It's going to help industrial workers. It's going to help our steel industry, automobile industry, places like Michigan and and Wisconsin and Ohio and Pennsylvania. Those jobs that Obama said are never coming back are coming back. And they're coming back with a, a with a fury. He's eliminated all these burdensome regulations that were killing the energy industry in this country. The president's pushing hard. He's started to build the wall with as much money as we do have for it. Republicans are a little slow. And then on the foreign policy front, we see what he's done with little rocket man. He got us out of the Iranian deal. Jerusalem is now the capital after how many presidents had made the promise and never fulfilled it. And then we see, you know, exactly what's happening with Vladimir Putin. Nobody picked this up yesterday. You know, the big loser in this in this trade deal yesterday by the president, the EU chief Jean-Claude Juncker, which uh, moves both sides towards zero tariffs. It's win-win for Europe, the European Union, and the United States. A bigger win for us because we never had the courage to stand up to them before, just like they're now going to pay their fair share, at least, we hope, as it relates to their own defense, as it relates to Russia in Europe. We're also talking about building the capacity to get our natural gas, which had been closed under Obama, just like the coal industry was being destroyed under Obama, over to Europe, which would be in their best national security interests. But because Europe's tariffs are much higher than ours, it's going to be a lot easier now for U.S. companies to zero out those tariffs than it's going to be for Europe. That's all going to benefit American workers, American business, American industry. You know, at the end of the day, 
I don't give a flying rip about parties. I don't care about the Republican Party is weak, feckless, visionless. Most of them are spineless and they lack any sense of urgency to fix their country. On the other hand, Trump is kind of carrying all these guys on the back on his back. And he's a guy of action. He finishes one thing. He goes on to the next thing. Checks off his promise list, which we have outlined so many different times. Nobody's pointed out that I know of in the media that the big loser in yesterday's agreement was Russia. Just like he's put the tougher sanctions on Russia. Just like Secretary of State Pompeo yesterday said, we'll never recognize the annexation of Crimea. And those sanctions will remain in place until Putin and the bad actor that he is with the hostile regime that he runs does the right thing in spite of the media spin that we've had in the last week or so. Most important aspect, though, of the deal was the European Union's pledge to begin importing more natural gas from us, from the United States. Every additional gallon of liquefied natural gas that we ship over to Europe is a gallon they're not going to be buying from Vladimir. That's the heart and soul of Russia's economy. And not only is that a dagger pointed right at the heart of Russia, it's the exact same plan that the president hinted at when he was at the G-whatever summit with Merkel two weeks ago in NATO, and that Germany was too dependent on Russian energy sources, which undermines the whole purpose of NATO. And thanks to the president's strategy, well, that means America can keep Putin in a box and his economy literally, you know, depending on how much we're willing to let him sell. We take total control. So and by and the president did not. I know the fake news brigade, you know, is, is trying to credit the EU president for convincing Trump to reverse his threat on the hikes on Europe. But that's after they gave all these concessions. Concessions that never would have been gotten if we didn't fight for them. And finally, you have a president say, you know what? They all stand up for their countries. They're putting their countries first. How about we put America first for once? I'm not saying you blow up relationships. I'm not saying that we're not going to be allies with our friends in NATO. I'm saying they need to stop taking advantage of our generosity and kindness. We're paying for their defense They don't even want to pay the 2% of their GDP, and it's their lives that are on the front lines here, not ours. You know, America comes to the rescue, but we don't have to be suckers about it. You know, why don't we say, okay, we'll pay 50 cents of every dollar instead of 70 cents of every dollar. That's, okay, billions of more dollars back in our pocket, less money that we borrow, less debt that we accumulate. It's a simple, basic, fundamental Common sense, which has been missing. It's not too common, especially in Washington. So let me tell you what this election is about. Do you want to keep the good economy? Because under Trump, all these good things have happened. Lowest unemployment rate for all these different groups, 14 states, record unemployment. You know, you see what's happening. Now, tomorrow we're going to be on this program. We'll have a number. It's going to be the second quarter GDP number. You know, Barclays earlier this week, I don't want to raise expectations. I'm a person that actually believes you overpromise and under, uh, sorry, you underpromise and you overdeliver. You never want to overpromise and underdeliver. You want to underpromise, you want to exceed all expectations. But Barclays up their projections for second quarter GDP growth to 5.3%. 
if that happens, that is a Reagan recovery style number. That means that the American economy is on a rip-roaring tear. As a matter of fact, anything above 4% will reflect that this economy is back on a rip-roaring tear. Remember, Obama was lowering everybody's expectations. He's the only president never to have 3% GDP growth in a year. One full point growth in GDP is worth billions and billions and billions of dollars to the American people and the American economy. The idea that America somehow was going to give up or cede ground as it relates to this, the manufacturing and building things and that, well, those days are pet was so ridiculously naive. The reason that these companies were leaving the United States is because the government was literally pushing them out the door. They were overburdening them with with regulations that they could not keep up with. They overtaxed them to death. They stopped incentivizing the growth of factories and manufacturing centers. And once great cities in America, you can also add the union problem issue, which I won't get into now in cities like Detroit, but that were one, they've lost more than half their population. I have people in Detroit that in our studio here today, right? My, they lost half their population. You can go online at different times and buy a home in Detroit for a dollar. They're talking about bulldozing entire neighborhoods. Now think of the, the vibrant city automobile manufacturing center of the world and what it has become. It need not have happened this way. Or you think of music and Motown and you think of, you know, what a vibrant city. It's lost half their population. They're going to bulldoze entire neighborhoods to consolidate services. These are homes that really were nice, nice neighborhoods. When I was there last in Detroit, when I was last there, it looked exactly to me like the aftermath of Katrina. You had street after, am I wrong? This is your town. Street after street after street, abandoned homes. Just abandoned. Uh, some of them had been vandalized, beaten up pretty bad. I don't know if they can be salvaged. Probably some of them could. But then people can't even buy some of these homes and salvage them because the government's saying, well, we're not going to send the garbage out there. We're not going to put, we're not going to, you know, have utilities out there. Guess you'll have to live by candlelight or get a generator or something to that effect. But my point is, we gave up. We didn't, you know, Obama said those jobs are never coming back. And now they're coming back. You know, I've got this picture. You guys can look, those of you that are here. This is why I should do these Twitter live things. There's a painting. It's the forgotten man. Every U.S. president. And then there's Obama stomping on the Constitution. Very symbolic. And a guy on a bench, and he's like, his head in his hand, he's like, oh. That's what it was like just a short time ago. How do we have such short memories in this country and not remember how bad it was? And I know you get your daily Trump media freakout because it's, it's hysteria on steroids and human growth hormone. But at the end of the day, the job's getting done. The country's getting stronger. We're not 
selling ourselves. We're not apologizing for America. We're not dumping bribes of billions of dollars of cash and other currency on other countries. The economy's turning around, and people and, and the Democrats have no ideas except that they hate Trump. I mean, you watch these stupid, stupid so-called news stations. They just are nothing but a propaganda arm as it relates to everything and all things hate Trump. So you're going to have to make a decision in 102 days and way before that, frankly. And if you're in a district within your congressman or woman is safe, maybe you'll adopt the 61 seats that the GOP has to hold to maintain a majority in the House of Representatives. Next week, we're going to have the Hannity election map. And maybe if your congressman or woman is safe, maybe you want to adopt a congressman. Maybe if your senator is safe, maybe you want to adopt a senator in one of these swing states. And that means you can help these other people out. Because otherwise, everything stops. All progress stops. And the country gets drawn into an impeachment fight. Impeach 45. Impeach 45. That's all you're going to hear if you don't get out and vote and save some of these, even rhinos, who we don't really like, but they're not going to vote to impeach the president. All right, glad you're with us. Sean Hannity Show, 800-941-SEAN, toll-free telephone number. All right, we have a, uh, before we get to Sarah Carter and David Schoen, we have a caller to the Hannity hotline, uh, somebody who has not called in in a long time and beginning to think he's mad at me or something. Although he has the number one cable show on Sunday nights at 10 o'clock, Life, Liberty, and Levin, and has his own syndicated radio program. Great one. How am I? Thank me. God bless us. Brian Kilmead, it's a great pleasure to be on your show again. <laughs> Are you start- <laughs> starting in again? Um, you know, I got to tell you something. Remember you used to call in and I give you a hard time about two things, that you never worked out. Now you work out every day. And number two, I'd give you a hard time about not doing my TV show. And you're, finally, you're doing it once a week. My audience loves it. And it's the easiest six, seven minutes I do on TV every week because I ask you one question and I just shut up and start texting because if I interrupt you, you go, I'm not finished. First of all, I don't work out every day. Three okay. times a week. That's about it. That's number one. Right. Why would I work out every day? I love my, uh, my physique. <laughs> and uh, secondly, I think I'm the only guy you don't interrupt who's on your show. Isn't that a good thing? Okay. I, first of all, you can't interrupt you. I'm not done. That's what you t- <laughs> you've actually said to me on my show. Like, I'm trying to get a, another. I want you to speak about one other topic. And I'll say, Mark, I got to ask you this. I, I'm not done yet. And I'm like, oh, good grief. Well, no. first of all, let me, let me tell you something. You're the top-rated cable show and all, all right. cable. Every hold on now, every right. single cable channel. And what I notice is, like, uh, if there's a show or two where you're not the top-rated, that's all over the internet. You're top-rated like 23 days out of 30, and nobody says a thing about it. But it's not even close now. You're the top-rated cable guy. You're the cable guy. Um, look, I've been very blessed. I I don't like to talk about this stuff. I I don't know why. Just, All right, let's move on. By the way, let me tell you something. Else. Let me tell you one of the reasons. I'll tell you one thing. The media is yes. so corrupt, Mark. They're so abusively yes. biased, Mark. That's why. And at least we offer people an alternative. You do it. Rush does it. I do it. You do it on Fox. You know, we have a few of us, Laura, Tucker, and that's and Fox and Friends. That's about it. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, 
I love the media talks about freedom of the press. Is somebody trying to stop freedom of the press? What's happening now is these lightweights who are now fill in these jobs that real serious professional reporters used to have, these people who just pop into these cable shows and so forth. We're talking about MSNBC and CNN and even on the networks. These aren't serious journalists. And when you point them out and call them out by name and call out their their uh, news corporations, it doesn't mean you're against freedom of the press. It means you're pointing out ignorant, unprofessional people and that these media corporations ought to step up their game and put some serious journalists in there. Right. Well, I will say this. They're not going to. Have you noticed, as I have, um, it's now 24-7. There's no such thing as news. This is all Trump hate propaganda. That's all it is. It's it's every minute, every hour of every day on these so-called news channels. I, I have a I have a uh, an idea, and, it, and I didn't invent this. This actually was uh, during the revolutionary period, and even slightly before these these pamphleteers and these newspapers, and there weren't a lot of them. Uh, they would identify with a political party, or they would identify with a particular a political philosophy or a cause, and you knew up front who they were. Instead, we get these pretenders, like CNN pretends that they're a news operation, or MSNBC pretends. You know, on Fox, sometimes, honestly, I have to turn it off because we have some of these uh, uh, Obama people who are on there and so forth doing the same thing. It, it is a lot more balanced, but Fox is more Republican than not. But these other cable channels are hardcore Democrat left-wing day in, day out. Well, that's what makes us different. I mean, we do put other people with other other opinions on the show, on the network, you know? I mean, it's... And well, yet, now, wait a minute. Yeah. In all fairness to CNN, you can watch left-wing, extreme left-wing, or democratic socialists. So they have, they have a uh, variety. <laughs> they, they, they have a variety of leftists? Of variety. They have left-wing kooks and knuckleheads? Yes, they do. By the way, I, I, I have my other guests, but yeah. I want to say one thing. Well, go ahead. You know what the saddest thing you've ever said that is now proven out to be true with, you know, rigging an investigation and uh, lying to FISA court judges and abusing power and all that we've learned? This is a post-constitutional America. Are we going to get it back? Well, here's the thing. And, and the show may not agree with me, but that's his problem. Here's, here's the thing. Progressivism is anti-constitutionalism. I wrote about this in Rediscovering Americanism. The two cannot coexist. A constitutional republic is about limiting government, dividing government, balancing government, and really giving all the power to the individual to leave their life and the government to stay out of it. Progressivism is the opposite. It's about an autocracy, a centralized government, a massive bureaucracy that's in the classroom, that's in your bathroom, that's in your bedroom, that's in your business. It's, it's sort of this Bernie Sanders uh, ideology. It's sort of a Marx light. So... They are post-constitutionalists because they hate the Constitution. Look, look at the Supreme Court issue here. I had some questions about Kavanaugh, but they're constitutional questions. And in the end, he ought to be confirmed. They oppose Kavanaugh because they oppose the Constitution. That's why they don't want him to be a constitutionalist. They want him to be an activist. That's the problem. That's why we're in a post-constitutional period uh, in many respects. It's scary. Uh, all right, great. Well, we'll be listening to you tonight. Uh, I enjoyed the full hour I did with you on your show, and I don't like to do interviews, but, you know, we just, uh, I really appreciate no, no, it. Let me tell you something. Yeah. You were superb, and a lot of people want to know more about you, and they want to see another side of you. And I know, but I don't, like to, tell about, I don't like to talk about that side. I don't think people really care. 
Well, they did care because our ratings went through the roof. So obviously, they care. Yeah, because you kept prodding me and saying, ah, I don't want to hear about that. I want to hear about you. You're... I mean, what do you want me to do? Put Judge Napolitano on there? I wouldn't get any rating. Oh, no ouch. Ouch. Oh, boy. We're gonna I, let... like him. I like him good enough. All right. We appreciate it. Great I'm one, Mark Levin. Senior... Hold on now. Yep. I'm the senior judicial analyst at my TV show. Did you know that? Yeah, you're the only judicial analyst on your I'm TV the only show. <laughs> All, All right, right, my brother. Thank you. Thank All right, Sarah Carter and David Shona with us. Uh, unanticipated call from the great one, Sarah. But uh, let's get everybody up to speed on the on the Freedom Caucus and the impeachment articles against Rod Rosenstein. Hard to follow up on the great one, Sean. Hard to follow up on him. But um, right now what we what we have is late Wednesday, you know, five articles of impeachment were drawn up against uh, Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein by 11 members um, of the House Freedom Caucus. Those 11 members have been fighting uh, among uh, other uh, congressional members for more than nine months now trying to get documentation from the DOJ, from the FBI. They've been in back-and-forth battles. We've talked a lot about them on your show. Uh, those battles uh, behind closed doors at the Department of Justice and on Capitol Hill where Rod Rosenstein has threatened members of the investigative committees. Uh, the Basically, Mark Meadows and Jim Jordan have had enough. They decided late Wednesday uh, to file those articles of impeachment Impeachment, uh, mostly as a warning shot across the bow, I was told by Mark Meadows and Jim Jordan, to Rod Rosenstein to let him know that they mean business. Now, you know Congress is going on recess for five weeks, so summer recess, so nothing will be done before the five weeks. But those articles of impeachment are standing. Now, those articles can be, he can bring those straight to the House. He hasn't done that yet. But Meadows has the authority uh, with privilege to bring those straight to the House for a vote. And that would be very important because if he decides to do that and you know it's back and forth i'm talking to people on the hill whether or not the house would vote to impeach uh, rod rosenstein we know now that paul ryan's spoken out against it but if he does do that it would give them two well, days they can to they vote. yeah they have the ability to bring it to, right to the house floor according Absolutely. to rules what do you think of the strategy david's shown well, listen, first of all, I understand the motivation. I mean, they've dealt for so long now with obstruction and stalling. I think the view was they had to do something and nobody else is doing anything. Um, the Justice Department has made a mockery of oversight, uh, transparency, accountability, American people, all of those principles these guys care about. My problem is it's a fight they can't win, I'm afraid. And I hate to see them not have all of their forces marshaled. My concern is it may be empowers uh, Rosenstein in the end because it's a battle. Uh, it, it looks like if they don't do it now, it looks like one more bluff. They've been bluffing about contempt for so long that nobody believes it anymore. And that's another reason I think these folks felt they had to do this. You have Sessions coming out and showing support for Rosenstein affirmatively today. So that's sort of in the record now. And you have Ryan and Gowdy speaking out against this. It looks like it allows people then to make a mockery of this effort and to isolate these 11. That's strategically what I'm concerned mm -hmm. about, because these have been very, very important members of Congress in, in following through on this stuff. And, and the sad thing, Sean, is that what they're saying is, is accurate. It's true. 
It's logical. It makes sense. And the Republican Party is so divided that they can't get on board to fight this thing. They can't get on board to ensure that justice is done. And I think this is the tragedy that uh, David Schoen is, is talking about. What they're saying here is, look, Rosenstein has violated over and over again their authority to conduct oversight. Rosenstein signed the fourth FISA document, the fourth FISA warrant on Carter Page, where he should have been aware of all of the things that were left out and all of the things that were included in this in this document that went before the um, Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court. And he didn't do anything about it. In fact, he signed off on it. We now see that the dossier, which is unverified and salacious, was used as the bulk of evidence to get this FISA warrant. We, we also know that Rod Rosenstein himself wrote the letter to fire FBI Director Comey. I mean, he was the one that authorized that letter to the president, and the president fired Comey, and then all of a sudden he appoints a special counsel to investigate Trump and the firing of Comey. I mean, if anything, he is a witness. He is a witness or, as other attorneys have put it, a co-conspirator. So how can he have oversight over this? Uh, and, and this is the tragedy here. It, it appears that the Republicans just cannot get themselves together into the, onto the same page to ensure that justice is served. Yeah. And what's your take, uh, uh, David Schoen? Because honestly, you cede all constitutional power. You cede any notion of checks and balances and co-equal branches. That's what's been happening here exactly. Sarah Carter is also exactly right in what she's saying. Look, I, I suppose here, respectfully, I must be disagreeing with the advice the president's being given, because we've been saying this for quite a while. Rod Rosenstein wasn't elected by the American people to any office. He's become a central figure in this obstruction now. He has said himself, he's acknowledged as he must, he serves at the, pres at the president's will. I'm sure the president's getting advice that, well, while the Mueller investigation is going on, you know, let it wrap up. You don't want to make more waves and all that. First of all, there's no reason to believe it's wrapping up. They're still talking about interviewing him. I can't believe the president's still even considering sitting with him. Then there's a subpoena battle, potentially. It's time for, in my view at least, it's time to clean house for reasons having nothing to do with the Mueller investigation. Rod Rosenstein has become center stage, and he shouldn't be, for the conflicts that Sarah just mentioned and for this obstruction. Clean mm. house. He's just a functionary who was put in the position. It's not the Rod Rosenstein show. It's the American public that demands the transparency, and it's our interests that are at stake here. All right, I'm going to let you both go now. Uh, the president speaking. I want to. Uh, we'll have more on this tonight. Uh, the very latest on where this is going. Jim Jordan also will join us tonight. Uh, Sarah Carter, David Schoen, thank you for being with us on our exclusive interview with Roseanne tonight. Our first big interview uh, after the the tweet that literally cost her her job and career. All right, the president speaking on the issue of trade, the big deal with the EU. By the way, they've also agreed to uh, work with the United States on China, stealing intellectual property, trade imbalances, etc. Here's the president. I'm thrilled to be here in Granite City with the incredible men and women of U.S. Steel. Great company. Great company. And we love our steel workers, and our steel workers are going back to work in record numbers, you notice? We're here today to celebrate a great victory, a victory for all of you, for this community, and for our entire country. After years of shutdowns and cutbacks, 
Today, the blast furnace here in Granite City is blazing bright. Workers are back on the job, and we are once again pouring new American steel into the spine of our country. I want to thank Secretary Ross, who's here with us today, and Secretary Acosta. And they've been fighting for your jobs, for our jobs, for a long time. We're also joined by the three true friends of American Steelworkers, Representative Mike Bost, Rodney Davis, and John Shimkus. Fellas, thank you very much. They fight for you. I tell you what, those three people fight for you all the time. In fact, they fight so much that I sometimes say I don't want to take their call today. <laughs> but they're with you all the way. Very special people, hardworking congressmen. I also want to thank the president and CEO of the United States Steel Corporation, David Burt. David, thank you. And David actually gave me uh, a couple of words when I walked in. And I said, you know what, David, I'd love you and Doug Matthews and some of the folks that you want to bring. If you want to bring anybody, come up here. I want to shake your hand. What a job you're doing. U.S. Steel is back. U.S. Steel is back. Get up here, David. That's great. I'd love Under report. By the way, the media is not reporting any of this. Larry Kudlow thinks we could have four, four and a half percent tomorrow GDP growth, which would be unbelievable. We'll get to all of that and all the other news. Monica Crowley checks in next. Then we've got our good friend Daniel McLaughlin and Jonathan Gillum. And don't forget Roseanne Barr on Hannity tonight, 9 Eastern. Uh, but Mr. Clapper then went on to say that, to his knowledge, there was no evidence of collusion between members of the Trump campaign and the Russians. We did not conclude any evidence in our report. And when I say our report, that is the NSA, FBI, and CIA with my office the director of national intelligence that had anything, any reflection of collusion between the members of the Trump campaign and the Russians. There was no evidence of that in our report. Was Mr. Clapper wrong when he said that? I think he's right uh, about characterizing the report, which y you all have read. There's nothing there from that standpoint that we have seen directly linking uh, our president to any of that. Did evidence exist? of collusion, coordination, conspiracy between the Trump campaign and Russian state actors at the time you learned of 2016 efforts. I don't know whether or not such collusion, that's your term, such collusion existed. I don't know. There is a lot of smoke. We have no smoking gun at this point, but there is a lot of smoke. I'm not prepared to say that there's proof you could take to a jury, but I can say that there is enough that we ought to be investigating. At the time you separated from service in January of 2017, had you seen any evidence that uh, Donald Trump or any member of his campaign colluded, conspired, or coordinated with the Russians or anyone else uh, to infiltrate or impact our uh, voter infrastructure? Um, not beyond 
what has been out there open source and not beyond anything that I'm sure this committee has already seen and heard before directly from the intelligence community. All right, there you have it. It's no collusion, no collusion, no collusion, except there really is collusion, and there really was Russian influence, and it was bought and paid for uh, by Hillary Clinton in this campaign. Uh, Anyway, you know, when you really think about it, all of the hysteria that is coming out of the media in recent days, oh, my, he didn't say what he wanted. We wanted on Putin. Uh, uh, uh." But his sanctions have been tougher than the prior president. Same with Iran. And he's kept his promises. You know, none of that ever gets told. None of the story. And then it becomes, he's going to take away the clearances of people like, this is vindictive, like Clapper and, and Brennan. Yeah, Brennan, who is spreading the Russian lies and disinformation campaign as it relates to Russia, Russia before an election. Really? He deserves, with all that he said, he's not acting like a current CIA representative, as CIA bylaws call for. And now it's the, you know, it, the fascinating thing, no Mueller, there's no cone tape, there's none of this. Um, Monica Crowley now joins us, senior fellow at the London Center for Policy Research, based at King's College in New York City, also a national security expert. Let's just get your take long before the 2016 election and where we are today and what you think it means for Russia. Hey, Sean, thanks for having me. Yeah, I wrote a column about this this week in The Hill um, where I broke down the whole timeline going throughout the entire Obama administration long before the 2016 election when Donald Trump was content with building buildings and hosting The Apprentice. Russia was engaged in widespread cyber aggression, cyber warfare, really, against the United States. And then, of course, during the campaign, Moscow really ratcheted up their attacks. And yet, despite knowing that this ongoing cyber warfare was happening, the president at the time, Barack Obama, uh, and all of his top intel chiefs, John Brennan at the CIA, Clapper at the National Intelligence, uh, uh, James Comey and his predecessor, Robert Mueller, at the FBI, they all knew this was going on, and they didn't lift a finger to stop it. And looking into the deeper reasons why, Sean, it's clear that they were, they were obsessed with trying to protect their bigger agenda. And in particular, two things. They were trying to salvage their collapsed Russian reset, which had been a complete failure. And this is why Donald Trump now needs to reset the reset. But even more importantly, Sean, they were obsessed with getting the Iranian nuclear deal done. And then once it was done in 2015, getting it implemented so that it couldn't be canceled or reversed. Now, we saw President Trump has been able to do that, and he was right to do that. But that Iranian nuclear deal was paramount to the Obama team, and they did not want to rock the boat with Russia, because Russia is Iran's greatest patron and sponsor and ally. They didn't want to rock the boat with Russia by calling Russia on all of this cyber espionage and cyber warfare they were leveling against us because they wanted to get the Iranian nuclear deal done. 
And so when you look in retrospect, did they let the Russians get away with bloody murder in attacking us, including, by the way, Sean, in 2014, attacking the unsecured email systems of the White House, the State Department, and the uh, Joint Chiefs of Staff? Arguably, those three institutions are a lot more important than the DNC, which they went after in 2016, along, by the way, with the RNC and a bunch of Republican organizations as well. How is it possible that everybody else in the media, as they breathlessly report every detail of every Donald Trump tweet and they have their morning media freakout on Donald Trump, how is it that we have all of this information about a rigged investigation that literally was an attempt to to influence and really steal a presidential election? Because if they upheld the law, Hillary would have been indicted. Then you got FISA courts lied to. Then you got a witch hunt set off on Donald Trump. Here we are two years later. There's no evidence of any collusion. And the media basically, by and large, have ignored all of it, including, a, you know, FISA warrant judges lied to by some of the top FBI DOJ officials in the country. Now, to me, that's a big, huge, provable scandal, not the breathless hysteria that you have over the Michael Cohn tapes, which, frankly, I thought were a big dud for them. Uh, Yeah. I mean, there's nothing there. And you and I have talked about this on television, too. This is the biggest and most dangerous scandal, in my opinion, in American history. The left controls the media and they control the narrative, right? I mean, thank God for you and Fox News and a couple of other outlets. But by and large, they control the narrative in this country. They are still deeply invested in spinning this narrative about Watergate, for goodness sakes. This scandal blows Watergate clear out of the water. This is so much more dangerous. This is so much more damaging to our institutions like the FBI, like our top intelligence agencies that we count on to be non-political in order to protect our lives and the life of the country. This is so much bigger than that, Sean. And the reason they have layered layer upon layer against Donald Trump throughout the campaign, now as president, the deep state, the Russia hoax, all of it, is because Donald Trump is an existential threat to all of them. They do not fear his success, Sean. They fear they don't fear his failure, rather, they fear, fear his success. If he succeeds, it is over for all of them, and they know that. And that's why they have embarked on this crusade to destroy the man's candidacy and to destroy the man's presidency. The problem is, and, and we know throughout history, that once a lie is put out there, it may do grave damage for a period of time, but almost always the truth comes out. And now we're seeing the unraveling of this conspiracy to destroy Donald Trump. Well, I think it is. So where does it end up? I mean, if, if listen, as far as I'm concerned, and I'm not, this is not hyperbole. This is not the breathless hysteria that you see in the media every second of every day. Now, there is no more news in the country. You know, I'm honest that I'm a talk show host, but part of my job is we do investigative work. We have been unpeeling every layer of this onion. And frankly, we have now just this past Saturday night, you know, everything that we said was happening is now provable as evidenced by the Saturday night release of the the redacted FISA warrants. I can't wait to get the unredacted versions uh, because it will tell us even more of the story. And I hear it's going to be devastating for those people that signed off on Russian lies used to get a FISA warrant to spy on an opposition party in the lead up to an election and all the people that were involved in it and all the lies that were told to FISA judges. 
But, you know, we're going to lose the country. We're going to lose. There's not going to be equal justice under the law because there's not. No American would be treated the way Hillary Clinton was treated and the crime she committed, the obstruction she was involved in. Nobody would get away with that. There's not one person in this audience that gets away with lying to FISA court judges. I know they want to talk about Playboy models from 12 years ago and stormy, 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 when Russia, Russia, Russia seems to be collapsing for them. But the reality is this is the Constitution, the rule of law, and the biggest abuse of power scandal in history. And to me, um, the fact that it's ignored at such a high level is frankly frightening because uh, it just means that people are okay with that. And it means that they're protecting their bigger agenda. I mean, all of this makes Watergate, Iran-Contra look like child's play. And look what the left and the media did with those scandals. I'm not saying there wasn't wrongdoing in those scandals, but it was so relatively minor compared to what we've got in front of us here, Sean. And when we look at the, the whole Russia thing, and I wrote about this in, in my column in The Hill this week. Russia was incessantly using these advanced cyber weapons against us. It was launching ground wars against its neighbors, like in Crimea and in eastern Ukraine and reentering the Middle East. All that was going on while Obama was president and Hillary was secretary of state. Meanwhile... Clinton sets up this unsecured, unauthorized server, and she gets a pass on that while it was wide open to Russia and anybody else who wanted to take a look at our state secrets. All of those acts of omission on the part of the Obama team represent a far greater danger than this make-believe collusion that they're trying to smear Donald Trump with. They are accusing Trump of what they themselves are guilty of, Sean. And that's why everybody from Obama on down, right through Peter Strzok, have no problem using the most extreme rhetoric against the sitting president for simply engaging in normal diplomatic relations with Russia. They have got to keep up these lies and these smears against Trump to cover up their own crimes and their own misdeeds and their own catastrophic policies. But a lot of, but a lot of people else. listening think they're getting away with it, are they? Uh, I don't think so. I, I, don't, I mean, they've gotten away with it so far, but in the end, as I say, the truth always comes out. Yeah. And I think in this case, there is going to be justice served, and that's why you've got John Brennan tweeting up a storm and James Comey with the nastiest stuff on Donald Trump, calling him a traitor, etc. Again, um, you always have been, you know, foreign policy has been your, your sort of passion, your study. So my question is, you know, as we now look at the world being reconfigured in a lot of ways, some people say, well, he's being mean to our allies, meaning Trump. And I think asking for better trade deals is smart and renegotiating bad trade deals is smart. And we pay, you know, almost four percent of our GDP to preserve NATO, 70 cents of every dollar. And other countries like Germany and the countries that benefit the most don't even come near paying their fair share. And then the president saying, well, maybe it's better if little rocket man breaks up his nuclear facilities uh, pulling out of the Iranian deal, Jerusalem becoming the capital, and saying that maybe it's better for the United States if we got along with Putin instead of having hostilities, although we did have the Secretary of State rightly say today that he's not going to recognize the annexation of Crimea, which he shouldn't, nor did the president. So you look at all these different changes, and then there's like a panic in the media about all this. 
Yep. I mean, it's incredible, Sean, that here we are a year into Trump's presidency and people are still shocked and surprised when he does what he told us he was going to do. (laughs) You know, he campaigned on all of this. And because we've been so conditioned not to expect our leaders to actually do what they campaigned on, people are stunned that he's actually delivering on his promises and keeping his word. He said, look, I am going to represent the American people, the American taxpayer, the American worker, and the United States of America. And over and over again throughout that campaign, he kept saying, I look at the job of the president as number one, number two, number three, the security of this nation. And I am going to go make sure that we are not taken advantage of either by adversaries or by allies. And so what he's doing now is actually rebuilding respect for the United States. Our allies must be really ticked off that Trump is going and saying, yeah, we want you to live up to your promise to kick in at least 2% of your GDP to support NATO. We expect you to haul your freight in this alliance because we're sick of it. And frankly, we can't, you know, we can't afford to keep carrying you guys. If you want the nuclear umbrella, if you want us to support you and defend you, you got to help us out. Other presidents have gone hat in hand to our NATO allies and, you know, been sort of shy and reticent about asking for more. And they got blown off because our allies knew they didn't mean it. Well, they know Trump means it. There's a new sheriff in town. And and guess what, Sean? That actually strengthens the alliance. It doesn't tear it apart. Listen, they're getting a ton more money as a result of this, uh, thanks to the president demanding it. So, all right, uh, Monica Crowley, thank you. We appreciate it. News Roundup Information Overload Hour coming up next. 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. Quick break. We'll come right back. We'll uh, continue. It's the Sean Hannity Show. We now have a secret audio recording that apparently shows Donald Trump discussing payments to bury a story about an alleged affair with a Playboy playmate. And the timing here is everything. The payments were discussed just before he won the election. Think about that. There may be other issues here. There may be bank fraud tax fraud money laundering issues with the way they structure the payments those kinds of issues in the end could be more dangerous and damaging than the campaign finance issue i think it's a very embarrassing and humiliating take for the president and i think ironically giuliani says i can i can understand what's on this tape because i've listened to mob tapes you know what the president is similar to a mob tape if you listen to this again it sounds like this is the weekly or the monthly michael's here to figure out what we have to cover up meeting there is no bystanders. You are either complicit in the evil, you are either contributing to the wrong, or you are fighting against it. That's my call to action here. Please don't just come here today and then go home. Go to the hill today. Get up and please get up in the face of some Congress people. Hey, Sean, you're a real piece of garbage. And I hope you look around and you see all these empty seats and you realize even in New York City, people will not come and pay money to hear you speak. I've read the reviews. It's a garbage book. You're as stupid as you look. John, take your mouth. And guess 
guess what? We're going to win this battle because while you try and quote the Bible, Jeff Sessions and others, you really don't know the Bible. God is on our side. On the side of the children. On the side of what's right. On the side of what's honorable. On the side of understanding that if we can't protect the children, we can't protect anybody. And so, let's stay the course. Let's make sure we show up wherever we have to show up. And if you see anybody from that cabinet in a restaurant, in a department store, at a gasoline station, you get out and you create a crowd. And you push back on them. And you tell them they're not welcome anymore. I need you to go out and talk to your friends and talk to your neighbors. I want you to talk to them whether they're independent or whether they are Republican. I want you to argue with them and get in their face. That was pretty good. I might have to put Mr. Burgess on Fox News. I'll put uh, I'll put I'll put Mr. Burgess up against uh, Sean Hannity. He'll tear him up. Tear me up. Was that a threat of violence, Danielle McLaughlin? Anyway, news roundup, information overload hour, Sean Hannity show. Uh, yeah, they're getting very hostile. Also, Jonathan Gillum, Sheep No More, best-selling author, uh, Danielle McLaughlin, constitutional attorney. Was that a threat against me? I wouldn't take it too seriously, Sean. How you doing? Um, People are angry. There's no question about it, right? We saw this with the Tea Party when Obama was elected. People were really upset about what he wanted to do with this country, and the same thing's happening on the left right now. Yeah. Uh, do you like the language of getting in people's faces? What do you think about the treatment of Sarah Sanders and Pam Bondi and Secretary Nielsen and, oh, let's see, showing up at the homes of people like Steve Miller, uh, attacking uh, Ivanka Trump, Alania Trump, uh, Twitter posts about a four-year-old granddaughter of the president, the president's son. This is your party. This is your Democratic Party, your beloved party. You know, that's a hard no. I don't think that we should be getting in people's faces. I don't think we should be threatening violence. I don't care who you are or what you believe. You know, when Obama was elected, there were effigies. There were all sorts of terrible things done. I don't care if you're on the left or the right. It's wrong. It's indecent. And people should just stop it. Yeah. What's your take, Jonathan? You know, I don't hear they should stop it. I don't hear a lot of outrage about stopping it. Sounds like, you know, just say, man, now you stop it. You know, I want my party <laughs> to stop it. Uh, I don't think I want to be a part of that party if it's my party. Uh, what do you think, Jonathan Gill? Now, you know, I totally would have totally agree with you if that was my party. I mean, I, the fact is, Sean, when we look at uh, some of the stuff that the establishment Republicans do, I don't identify with that either. Um, but I think the big difference between uh, people who vote Republican and people who vote Democrat is that Republicans will call out somebody like uh, Paul Ryan or John McCain, and they will say, you're wrong, you need to go away, don't do that, we don't do that, and we're not going to vote for you. I don't hear that on, the, on the, uh, the Democrat Party side. And you know what's interesting we're listening to? Um, it's so much nonsense. Like Maxine Waters somehow filters in, we got to take care of the children when she's talking about uh, um, something that she doesn't like politically. She'll milk that in. She'll try to make it uh, take the moral high ground by pointing out things that, that don't exist. The same thing with Donald Trump and this, you know, attorney who is, you know, Michael Cohen and the things that he's done. It's so unethical. And that's what happens is they they try to milk in the ethics along with their verbiage. And the Democrats don't ever say, get rid of that person. Don't say that. We won't do it. I don't hear that from any of them. All right, let me go to what this election seems to be coming into. We're almost at, what, the 100-day mark till the midterm. So 
you know, it's getting more important by the day. This is the Democratic, what I see and what I read and what I hear. And, Danielle, I'd love for you to correct me, but I don't think you can. Uh, number one, they want to impeach Trump and everybody that's been honest and said it publicly, I believe, has been told to be quiet because that we don't want to tell the American people what our real agenda is. The next thing is they want to abolish ICE and they want open borders is what they want. Their plan would allow, I think, 34 million people uh, uh, from Central America, Mexico to come to the country. There'd be amnesty for everybody. Next part of their agenda is, let's see, Obamacare. Keep your doctor, keep your plan, save less. That didn't work out so well, but they want to keep it. They don't want to abolish it. Number four is, you know, they want their crumbs back. In other words, the tax cuts that the American people, money in their pocket, they want that money back that has resulted in uh, the greatest economic growth we've had in 10 years in this country. They want those crumbs back. And the last thing is they want to stop the investigations of people like Devin Nunes and Trey Gowdy and Ratcliffe and Bob Goodlatte and others uh, because they want to protect their friends in the deep state. I don't know a single thing that they're advocating that is going to make the lives of the American people better. As a matter of fact, with each new economic success number, their chance of getting power back goes down and is diminished. So in a way, they're in a very strange position they find themselves in. They have to actually hope that the economy goes bad. The only one to verbalize it was Bill Maher. Well, anyone with intellectual honesty will tell you that the news yesterday with the European Union agreement is fantastic for this country, and you have to support it, number one. Number two, Obamacare. And by the way, it wouldn't have happened because no other president, frankly, had the courage to take on our allies. Now they're paying more money for NATO, and now they're actually going to have some reciprocity as it relates to trade, which is good for American workers. And the president's line on NATO is not right, though, because this is about GDP and the amount of defense spending that you have, which is an internal decision America, made by voters within certain but there countries. Was, there was a 2% GDP goal of every NATO. Right, within about 10 years' time. Okay. 10 years. Okay, and we're paying 3.5%. But that's our choice. That's we, what voters we, asked we our Republicans and Democrats to do. 70 cents of every dollar for NATO, uh, and Germany is now actually undermining their whole security by, giving it, by, by becoming 70% dependent on Russian energy of all places. But the point is, name one positive agenda item that the Democrats are running on, because I don't see it. Democrats want you to be able to keep your pre-existing conditions so that families don't go bankrupt if they have a sick child. Has Obamacare worked out? You know what? It's being torn apart by Republicans, so it's hard to tell right now. But pre-existing conditions matter to every man, woman, and child in this country. (laughs) Does Obamacare keep its promise of keeping your doctor, keeping your plan? Oh, I can answer that. No. Uh, No. Clearly not. Are Americans paying more or less? Well, that is not only Obama's fault. That is health insurance Uh, companies. There are so many things that go into that. Okay, but Obama's promise was keep your doctor, keep your plan, pay less. Millions lost their doctors, millions lost their plans, and everybody's paying more. There are are millions of more people insured today than there were before Obamacare, and that matters to Americans. Uh, Okay, but the bottom line is the promise wasn't kept, and I think we had our good friend Dr. Umber on yesterday, Atlas MD, these health care cooperatives or health savings accounts would answer all these problems, but... You know, Jonathan, that's the point. They're not running on anything that's going to make anybody's life better. And now every time Trump has economic success, foreign policy success, that is a danger to their number one goal, which is regaining power. You're absolutely right. And, you know, uh, Danielle brings up the, the, the statistic that, you know, millions of more people have insurance now than did before. And, and I hear that constantly, but it's a perfect example 
of the re- uh, of if you look deep into it, you'll see the reality of what happens in politics, especially with the Democrat Party, is that yeah, there's millions more people who have insurance now, but there's also millions of more people who don't, and they don't they don't point that out. In other words, it didn't work, and that's the thing is that they they do things because they're reactive. If the Republicans had put up a bill for um, for health care, they would have shot it down and said, we don't need that. That's ridiculous spending of money. Um, but when they do it, it doesn't work out. It's not successful. That's because they're a reactive party, not a proactive party. I mean, honestly, Jonathan, healthcare has been something that Democrats have been working on for decades and decades and decades. And I know a lot of people didn't like that Hillary Clinton as first lady got involved in the 90s and the Clinton administration. But they've been trying for a really long time. About 600,000. I would put put this out there to say this, that they knew that this health care program wouldn't work, but it would be a, it would give them something, a platform to be reelected for years and years. Because they care That's about people did. not getting bankrupt. 600,000 no. families go bankrupt every year because somebody got sick. That's just wrong. That's just yeah. not moral. I'm sorry. Like, how can I you defend that? that? But, but health care in and of itself is a perfect example because if you want to do health care for every American, then you need to come up with a program that's going to work. They didn't come up with a program that's going to work. They came up with a program that's going to fail, and it's going to cause controversy, and it's going to keep them elected. I agree that we have big, big problems with health care. I mean, we have TRICARE for the armed forces. We have Medicare. We have Medicaid. We have private insurance. It's really a hodgepodge that's grown up over decades since this kind of thing was basically came out of the Great Depression because wages couldn't be paid, so people got health insurance. We in a really, we're in a tough spot. There's no question about it. But at least they're trying to do it, something for families. But it transcends health care. What we're, what we're discussing is not health care. We're discussing the fact that they don't do anything that helps anybody. They do programs that are going to cause controversy and get them elected, just like the fact that Trump is doing all these incredible things and they just go out there and tear him apart for, you know, minuscule moral reasons of something that he may or may not have done, completely overlooking the fact that he's doing real work. They don't you know what? care about that. They just want to they want to put things out there. They're going to get them reelected. That's it. I get that. And you know what? The same thing happened with eight years under Obama. You know, meetings when he was inaugurated and Mitch McConnell and others said, we're not going to let this guy get anything done. We lost, uh, you know, we lost Congress because of Obamacare, because Democrats uh, were punished basically uh, for that program. Uh, you know, we've got Merrick Garland. We've got all sorts of things um, that ultimately Obama started using executive orders, which I think are problematic in many respects. But he did what he wanted to do. It did rather what he could do to try and make change in the immigration space and other spaces. And you know what? It's politics again now. Plenty of Democrats don't like the president. I think they're go they're I think they're gonna be they're gonna be problems if they push too hard. I worry about the inflammatory rhetoric. But ultimately voters will see what's happening in their wallets. They will see what's happening with their health care and they get to make the decisions, I would, right? I would I would be careful saying we you know I would never put myself in a category with anybody, I don't care if they're the Republican Party or Democrat Party. I don't say we with any of those people, unless they're mm-hmm. a group of leaders that I can identify with. You know, you you take Jim Jordan and you take Louis Gohmert. I'll say we with those guys, but I'm not going to say. And I would I would recommend and, and highly advise that Democrats look at that party and stop saying we because it's not you. I know you. You're a nice person. You care about you. that, Sean? <laughs> Why are we always bailing out, Danielle? All right, oh. hold on right there. we got to take a break. Or with Danielle McLaughlin and Jonathan Gillum. Uh, don't forget Roseanne on Hannity tonight. You don't want to miss it. Uh, also, the news of the day. Jim Jordan stops by also. 
All right, as we continue with Danielle McLaughlin and Jonathan Gillum, by the way, is with us also. Uh, now, look, so, look, there's about 60 races that really matter, 61 races. Um, for those people, I would say, that want to get involved for 2018, that don't want that Democratic agenda passed, Jonathan, they're going to have to actually, like, adopt one of the tough races, one of the pivotal swing races in this election, and do all they can do to help another congressman or congresswoman that's in deep trouble. Otherwise, you know what? They will impeach the president. They will get their open borders. We won't have any progress. Uh, We know that the investigations will stop. We know the taxes will be rolled back. We know what they want to do. Yeah, I, I would suggest that people take this very seriously and that the Republican Party proves that they're a party, that they go out and campaign for one another, and that they go full force on this. And I would also suggest that the people that uh, voted for Trump go out full force this time like they did before, and that the Democrats in this country realize that they're being played, and that there are Republicans out there that do believe in things that they believe in, which is taking care of people and effective solutions, and they need to go out there and remember that it, this this Congress is so divided that uh, we need to bring it uh, back to, um, you know, something that actually uh, a functioning Congress. And we're not going to do that if you put people like these Democrats in, in, into uh, the House. All right. I got to give you the last word, Danielle. We have about 10 seconds. You know what? Most thing, most important thing to do is go out there and vote. That's all I'm going to say. For Republicans. <laughs> Democrats. I got to leave it there. Thank you both for being with us. 800-941-SEAN is our number. Roseanne tonight on Hannity. Jim Jordan, he's running for speaker. He'll join us in our opening monologue, 9 Eastern. We hope you will join us. Big TV tonight. Uh, But Mr. Clapper then went on to say that, to his knowledge, there was no evidence of collusion between members of the Trump campaign and the Russians. We did not conclude any evidence in our report. And when I say our report, that is the NSA, FBI, and CIA, with my office, the director of national intelligence that had anything, any reflection of collusion between the members of the Trump campaign and the Russians. There was no evidence of that in our report. Was Mr. Clapper wrong when he said that? I think he's right uh, about characterizing the report, which you, you all have read. We did not include any evidence in our report, and I say our, that's NSA, FBI, and CIA with my office, the director of national intelligence, that had anything that had any reflection of collusion between members of the Trump campaign and the Russians. There was no evidence of that included in in our report. Have you seen anything, either intelligence briefings, through intelligence briefings, anything to back up any of the accusations that you've made? They have the documentation that they did the hacking. The hacking. On the DNC. Right. And on some of us, you know, that had... But the collusion, though. No, we have not. Do you have evidence that there was in fact collusion between Trump associates and Russia during the campaign. Not at this time. Have you seen anything that suggests any collusion between the Russians and the Trump campaign? Well, there's an awful lot of smoke there, let's put it that way. People that might have said they were involved, to what extent they were involved, to what extent the president might have known about these people or whatever. There's nothing there from that standpoint that we have seen directly linking uh, our president to any of that. Did evidence exist? of collusion, coordination, conspiracy between the Trump campaign and Russian state actors at the time you learned of 2016 efforts. I don't know 
whether or not such collusion, and that's your term, such collusion existed. I don't know. The big questions, of course, is, is there any evidence of collusion you have seen yet? Is there? Listen, there is a lot of smoke. We have no smoking gun at this point, but there is a lot of smoke. Diane Feinstein has said there's no evidence of collusion. So collusion between whom? Can you tell us that? I'm not prepared to say that there's proof you could take to a jury, but I can't say that there is enough that we ought to be investigating. At the time you separated from service in January of 2017, had you seen any evidence that uh, Donald Trump or any member of his campaign colluded, conspired, or coordinated with the Russians or anyone else uh, to infiltrate or impact our uh, voter infrastructure? Um, not beyond uh, what has been out there open source and not beyond anything that I'm sure this committee has already seen and heard before directly from the intelligence community. You don't get a chance to argue with me. You can ask me whatever you want, and you can ask a follow-up question if you want, but you don't interrupt the guy. That shows you the type of arrogance that I'm talking about. You're going to get a story about Russia rather than the security of our country at our borders because that's what you want to do. I don't have to go along with that today. You're not going to be the one who determines how long my answer is. All right? This is the type of thing that this is the arrogance of the news media that the public is why the public is, understands when he says fake news. That's what the public understands. If you ask me a question, don't try to stop me from answering by trying to draw our attention to what I consider to be a bogus issue. But nowhere is that bogus issue being more proven than the fact that we have members of the press want to focus on that rather than people whose lives are in danger because we don't have control of our border. I'm not hiding from anybody but you guys should be ashamed of yourself for trying to divert attention away from an honest issue like this. All right, Dana Rohrbacher ripping uh, reporters for their questions about the Russia probe, even though, as we played, no Russia Russia collusion nowhere ever to be found, except, of course, for Hillary. All right, 24 now till the top of the hour. Dana Rohrbacher from California joins us. Uh, how are you, sir? Orange County, one of the few remaining sane counties in, uh, out there in uh, in California. How are you? Well, I'm fighting the good fight. Uh, We have a great president who is taking tough stands, and so I have no problem standing up, And uh, even though we are outnumbered in California now. Yep. Uh, What You know, I was very surprised that they wanted to break California into three states, and the court said no. Uh, That's not a good idea, because if they do that, we got to break Texas up into four states. Uh, I, I would just have to say, if they, if anybody goes for that idea, and I haven't endorsed it at all, but I would say that I'm looking at it. But you have to draw the lines, or otherwise you're giving the Democrats four new senators rather than two. Uh, that can happen. I don't think the rest of America will recognize that. Uh, all the other states will see it for what it is. And you know what's going to happen? They'll start doing it all over the place, and it's just going to turn into a mess. All right, let's go to where we we are. Um, So we're heading into one of the biggest midterm elections in our life, I think the biggest, and I think there's a lot at stake. We got the Democratic Party agenda is clear that they want to impeach Trump, but they've told everybody to stop saying it. They want Obamacare, you know, where we keep our doctors and plans and pay less. They want Obamacare. They want to abolish ICE and have open borders. There's a story today that the Democratic plan would take in 34 million people from Central America. I'm like, okay, how do we absorb such a big population? But putting that aside, um, and we know they want their crumbs back. And 
this is their agenda and hating Trump. So they don't really have anything that's going to impact the American people. But we have a lot of economic success to talk about. And we have a foreign policy that is now based not on bribery and bowing to dictators and apology tours, but strength. So I think the president is doing a good enough job that he's probably going to be able to help a lot of these congressmen that are in tough races. Well, the president is standing up not just for a group of Republicans that are in tough races. He's standing up for the American people. What you're describing, let's face it, uh, when Hillary said uh, the people who voted against her were deplorable people, that should have given us all an understanding. These uh, that power structure, the Democratic Party, is trying to replace us because they think we're deplorable. And they, 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 and in doing so, part of their strategy has been what? They have done everything they could uh, to get in the way, to disrupt, to prevent the people who uh, – to prevent this president from receiving his lawful authority as given to him by the voters, thus undermining our whole democratic process. Now, this is, this is life and death uh, to our way of life. And, and uh, out there in California, we're fighting the fight. And thank you, Sean, for what you're doing to alert the American people to this. Well, look, I think there's, there's very simple principles. I mean, you're an old Reagan conservative. Reagan cut taxes. Reagan believed yeah. in deregulation. Uh, Reagan talked about the evil empire and took him on. It's not, it's not that different in this sense by calling little rocket man little rocket man and fire and fury and my red button's bigger than yours and works. And, you know, I'm watching the success. I mean, we're expecting second quarter GDP growth to be over 4%, which would be a miracle, especially post-Obama. We've literally taken two million Americans off the food stamp rolls. That's great for the American people. Uh, We now have more jobs in the country than people are on unemployment. We have the highest labor participation that we've ever had. And I'm looking at, you know, what the president did. He didn't get us into a trade war, as I told people he wouldn't. But he got us better trade deals and he got more money for NATO. I mean, those are all significant issues. Well, and and, uh, you have to remember, Ronald Reagan was attacked not quite with the same, uh, you might say, uh, uh, volatile and, and, and not every single day did they just hear these attacks on Reagan. But they were just as vicious. And uh, Reagan, and again, it, like you were just... Well, you didn't have a 24-hour, you know, opinion cycle, because it's not news. It's all opinion. Uh, That's right. You know, beating the crap out of Ronald Reagan every day. Well, they uh, let me put it this way. I remember when uh, when Ronald Reagan was the victim of of, of massive demonstrations saying we ought to have a nuclear freeze, which would have put the Russians into a position of of superiority when it came to the intermediate range missiles. And Reagan said no. And he said, well, I'm going to propose that we just take all of the missiles out. Let's have a zero option on intermediate range missiles. And all the leftists called him every name in the world. They said he was he was lying. He was posturing. And of course, three years later, he signed an agreement with with the Russians to do exactly that. And also, Sean, uh, when Reagan uh, met with Gorbachev and started the process towards having better relations. We were still financing the war against them in Afghanistan and Nicaragua. We were still helping the people in Eastern Europe struggle against the communists. And but Reagan met with Gorbachev, and he didn't use that that meeting to, to end the meeting and get out and trash Gorbachev. And that's why he moved it along, and eventually the Soviet Union collapsed. This president is showing the same kind of wisdom and the same kind of strength. 
that Ronald Reagan did. And I'm, I'm very pleased to have worked with Reagan. I'm honored to have, and I'm pleased to have this man as our president. Well, the amazing thing is you got you do have some liberals that are trying to run away from the president, more rhino type of Republicans. But the reality is, at the end of the day, if Nancy Pelosi gets the House back and the Democrats are in charge of the House, you have any doubt that their goal is to impeach the president. It's not going to be to make America better, stronger economically. As a matter of fact, every time the president has more economic success or foreign policy success, well, that's bad news for those people that didn't do a good job in the eight years they had power. That's it. Well, they've already tried to undermine the outcome of the last election. They've already Their whole effort has been to basically uh, undo the election that just happened. And by the way, to me, that's 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 next to treasonous and that you are totally undermining that what our country's all about is you have an election you whoever wins takes over and you don't try to undermine that person well they've been doing that this whole time and we know that if they get a majority of the house they will then disrupt that'll be four years of disruption by these same people uh, of, of how our government works we can't afford that yeah, it's not. What about the people that are in districts? And, and you look, I know that everybody's got to worry about their election. Um, and you've been a stalwart conservative for all these years. And uh, and I'm sure they're going to spend millions of dollars attacking you. And I hope the people in Orange County and, and your Southern California district remember who you are and that you're one of the few good guys out there. Um, but I will say this is that, you know, some of our audience, they're going to have a tough choice because they're going to be looking at a rhino Republican and they, they, they're not particularly motivated to go out for them. But if they care about the country and they care about the bigger picture, which is they want to impeach Trump, keep Obamacare, roll back the tax cuts, open borders uh, and stop the investigations that are so important, it then becomes a bigger deal. Right. Well, it's very easy for the people in California, I think, to see this. Look, uh, the state legislature passed a thing called Sanctuary State, where they have prohibited our local police from even interacting with the with the feds in order to get illegal alien criminals. Uh, our our families are not going are not safe uh, with liberal democratic uh, ideology in play, and uh, they know that. And I I think that. Uh, uh, when when it finally comes down to vote, with Trump leading us trying to secure our borders, and the Democrats, what are they offering? More chaos, trying to undermine Trump's camp, uh, Trump Trump's uh, uh, administration. Well, they'll vote for let's have secure borders. Let's have a guy who is watching out for our values and not somebody who wants to open the borders to a flood of illegals into our country. Yeah, it's all true. I mean, what is this attack on ICE that is going on? Why would why would people be running on the idea of way open borders and eliminating ICE? I've been down to the border 14 times. Uh, That goes back to the deplorable factor. Remember, I think that the people who control the Democratic Party today understand that they are out of tune and out of touch with regular American people. And so and they think we're deplorable people. No, so we're, smel- we're smelly. We're smelly. Replace us with this massive flow into our country. No, we're smelly Walmart people, and we're irredeemable deplorables, and we cling to our God, Bible, guns, and religion. That's what. That's who we are. Uh, that's it. And uh, but I will tell you, we're also the people who believe in freedom. 
We're also the people who believe that America is a special place in the world and that the decisions of our government should be based on what's good for the people of the United States and what these other people believe in. What, the, what We're talking about the Democratic Party now. They believe in globalism. They believe that what's best for the globe, for the world, we're going to have policy. We have to have more power to the U.N. And, uh, and this president has called the shots right, and that is with trade agreements, it should be bilateral agreements so we can say what's in the best interest of the United States and the yeah. people of the United States. All right, and Congressman. He's uh, already achieved some success at that. All right, Congressman Rohrbacher, always good to talk to you, my friend. 800-941-SEAN, if you want to be a part of the program. we got a great Hannity tonight, 9 Eastern. Set your DVR, Fox News Channel. Roseanne speaks out. Uh, in our first uh, televised interview, that's going to be 9 Eastern tonight on Fox. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today. Don't forget our exclusive interview tonight. Roseanne Barr speaks out after the tweet that got her fired, the ensuing controversy. Uh, by the way, nothing's, nothing is off the table. And we'll let you hear from her in her own words. That's tonight, 9 Eastern, Hannity on Fox. We'll also have the latest news. Jim Jordan stops by. But the better part of the show, Roseanne Barr speaks out. That's on Hannity, 9 Eastern. We'll see you back here tomorrow. We'll see you tonight at 9. Thank you for being with us. Hollywood is under siege from an external force. Now, the same Hollywood that sold the American dream, they are now making nightmares a reality. Many major films make choices to appease the Chinese Communist Party to be distributed in China. Now, you can join Tiffany Meyer, an investigative reporter in the Hollywood Takeover, brought to you by the Epic Times, where she reveals how the CCP exerts control over some of the major studios. Now, don't miss the most important documentary about Hollywood yet. And for a limited time, you can watch the first 10 minutes for free at HollywoodTakeover.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.